0: Hey everybody, it's uh, Colton Stombo with the Inspire podcast. We're providing fearless B2B sales, marketing, and management insights. Uh, Today's episode is a really exciting one. Uh, Talking to two gentlemen who are helping lead the way in a very innovative product category uh, and how to keep a company's greatest resources safe uh, with that being their people. Uh, So with that said, uh, Matt Marino and Carl Zellick, how you two gentlemen doing today? Um, And maybe, I don't know, Matt, you want to lead off and and let us know a little bit about who you are and what your background is?
1: Sure. Happy to. Thank you. Yeah, my name is Matt Marino. I'm the director of ergonomics and human factors with HeroWare. My background goes way back in human performance optimization and, and physical therapy before getting into ergonomics and being a consultant in the ergonomics space for about 12 years, consulting across a variety of industries And this is where I sort of came to discover occupational exoskeletons, and I started to do a number of projects with um, large, typically Fortune 500 companies that were interested in uh, testing these types of products with their workers. Um, And the volume of that work steadily increased over a period of about five, six years until um, the end of last year when I joined the HeroWare team, and I'm really proud of the work that we're doing there.
0: Yeah, okay. no, that, uh, that's incredible. So it sounds like helping companies take care of their people is something that you've been passionate about for a long time. And, you know, kind of seeing a pattern led you to where you are today. So, that's right. Okay. All right, Carl. Well, how about you, man? How are uh, how you doing today?
2: I'm doing great. My name is Carl Zellick. I'm an engineering professor at Vanderbilt University, where I co-direct a center focused on restoring health, mobility, and independence to individuals with disabilities. Or trying to prevent those injuries or disabilities from happening in the first place. So, we do a lot of research and development related to exoskeletons, exosuits, prosthetics, smart clothing, and wearables. Uh, I'm also the uh, co founder and chief scientific officer of HeroWare, which is a spin off company that develops industrial exosuits to help support workers in physically demanding jobs. So, uh, thanks for having us. I'm, I'm always excited to talk about exoskeletons and exosuits.
0: Well, thanks. I think this might be the, uh, the first time that we've got two two doctors on this podcast. So I, uh, I'm going to try my best to keep up with the two of you. No promises. Um, so it sounds like really you've got the the engineering and ergonomics, you know, kind of dynamic duo thing happening here with HeroWare. Um, you know, got kind of to be in the scientific and, and health side of, of what's going on. Tell us a little bit about HeroWare. I know you, you, both of you had mentioned exosuits, and I'm gonna be honest. Um, when I think about exosuits, I think about aliens and Iron Man. I don't think that's the truth. Um, so could you give us a quick rundown about the category um, and you know, all the, the advances that have happened to kind of bring you to the point where you're leading a product-based company in this space? So oh, Matt, how about you lead us off there?
1: Yeah, sure thing. I'm happy to happy to take that. So um, exoskeletons are wearable devices that augment, enable, assist, or enhance some type of physical function that a human being has to do by interacting with the human being's body. So in our case, it's um, it's an exosuit. So that's a soft version of an exoskeleton, almost like a a soft shell version where all of the components are soft and When the worker bends or lifts, the device supports their back and helps them perform the lift. So it's reducing the strain and the fatigue on their back. And there have been um, a lot of advancements in this this, uh, whole field of exoskeletons has really um, increased momentum and uh, come a long way since I started looking at these types of products back uh, about eight and a half years ago. At that point in time, uh, a lot of the development was around medical and military devices. So medical devices really for people who have spinal cord injuries, strokes, or some other type of neurological issue where um, they're trying to walk or perform activities of daily living with the help of an exoskeleton device. The military has been doing a lot of um, research and, and work in this area for really decades now, Uh, trying to create super soldiers and and that sort of thing. But um, uh, the industrial exoskeletons, the types of devices that HeroWare designs and produces uh, really came on the scene around 2014, 2015. And um, it's a relatively new, I would say all exoskeletons are a relatively new uh, area and type of technology, but there's a lot of potential for Uh, these types of devices to help people with disabilities, to help soldiers, and to help workers go home at the end of the day with more energy, less fatigue, less pain, and help to extend careers and, um, you know, let people retire able rather than disabled, as I like to say.
0: Okay. So, you know, Carl, maybe I'll I'll turn this one on you because, you know, it sounds like at least this this lightweight, unobtrusive type of exosuit that can really help, I think, Matt, like you said, a a worker, right? You know, the historical context maybe has been more medical device or military application. I know it seems like what you guys are doing is really trying to create a solution that's going to help, you know, the average worker in their day-to-day feel better, perform better. What has it been that kind of brought it – that shift from that, that hard medical or, or military application to maybe more of a approachable thing for a company to, to start thinking about?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And I'll also piggyback on your, your question about uh, you know TV and film. So in my experience, most people have honestly not even heard of exoskeletons or, or exosuits at this point. And if they have, usually they, they uh, experience them or have seen them in film, TV or science fiction. So they're thinking of the Iron Man or Sigourney Weaver in Aliens or, or Tom Cruise in Edge of Tomorrow. And, and on one hand, these, these uh, TV and film portrayals are really inspirational for the exoskeleton industry. It's, it's cool entertainment, they're aesthetically pleasing. And then on the other hand, these are depictions that have also led to a lot of misunderstandings about what these devices are, um, about what they can do and for that reason, I, I love to be on podcasts like this. Um, education and awareness are really an important part of what we do um, so that we can overcome some of these preconceptions about what an exoskeleton is, what it can be used for, and, and even when people can benefit from them. That this isn't something that we're dreaming about in the future, but this is something people can actually have access to now.
0: Yeah. No. The way
2: I oh, sorry. I, the way I often describe it to people is, you know, currently and also for the foreseeable future, exoskeletons are going to be more like tools than they are like supersuits. Uh, for instance, if you have calf muscle weakness after a stroke, you might benefit from an ankle exoskeleton to support you during walking. If you work in manufacturing and you're doing a lot of overhead work and it's a lot of strain on your upper body and your shoulders, you might benefit from a shoulder exoskeleton. If you work in a logistics distribution center uh, and you're doing lifting and carrying all day and it's putting a lot of strain on your back, you may benefit from a back exosuit. And so there's been this shift and really in the research and development world, it's been going on for a long time as people try to figure out how do we take technologies, futuristic looking technologies, but bring them back into the present and use them to support people, to keep them healthy, happy, and, and energized, both at work and and at home.
0: Uh, it's, a, it's an admirable cause, um, you know, probably a great application of, of the area of both of your studies. So. You mentioned a couple really discreet, you know, examples there, like if you're overhead a lot, right, a, a shoulder exosuit and so I have a little bit of my pre research. I you know there's a company, a few people have heard of Toyota that maybe has used those to some success. Things like that. So they're out there and they're working. But you know, what are really the, the benefits that are a proper exo implementation for a workforce, you know, obviously the the incredible, you know, ergonomic benefits to workers and, and that paramount. You've done a great job describing that already. But if I'm looking at this from a business lens, how is that going to help my company? I mean, some of them are very obvious. You guys have already done a great job painting that. But um, what are, are some of the, the effects you've seen on these companies that have adopted ExoSuits?
1: Well, the hope is that these devices help prevent injuries, and we've seen – Toyota talk a little bit about this, although it's still relatively early in the grand scheme of things for exoskeletons. So what they've said is since they've implemented them for specific processes at their plants that require workers to work overhead underneath the body of the vehicle, uh, they went from having injuries to not having injuries, which is great, but it's really just one example. And, And we need to see if that Holds true across the board for other automotive companies, aerospace companies, Um, and then in logistics environments or manufacturing, construction, agriculture, even healthcare, um, there's a tremendous amount of back injuries, and there's a huge opportunity there, but these devices just haven't been out there long enough to really know if they can prevent injuries in all of these environments or not. But injury prevention is just one of the things that we hope to see and that might help drive that business case. Other things like reducing turnover. In in a lot of these really physically demanding jobs, workers can't even tolerate the work because they're too tired and they can't really sustain that level of intensity throughout the week or their bodies hurt. So they're, they're forced to quit to find something else. And that's really expensive to have to um, lose people, lose good, good people, and have to hire and retrain new ones. So reduction in turnover is another potential benefit, along with uh, cost avoidance from injury reduction. And then time will tell if these devices also help people improve performance um, while we stay not to necessarily increase the productivity demands on workers just because you're you're, ge- give, you're giving them some of these types of uh, exoskeletons or exosuits, um, that may be a secondary benefit um, that we'll have to see over time if that nets out. there's some evidence of that, but again it's still a little bit early to tell
0: yeah. uh,
2: that- I'll just re- reiterate what Matt said there you know if, if your workforce is overburdened and fatigued. Then, then no one wins. Um, they're more likely to make mistakes or miss work because of back pain or or just quit and find another job. As, as Matt said, it's really physically intensive work. And so I, I believe that companies are incentivized to try to keep their workforce healthy and, and energized. And I think exosuits can be a part of a comprehensive strategy around health and safety. Um, when I look at exosuits, I, th- I think the, the best use case are, are situations where Workers are under these high physical demands, they're lifting a lot, they're bending a lot, they're undergoing a lot of back strain. And the company has already tried uh, a traditional ergonomic controls. In other words, they're already trying to implement ways to improve safety, but but they just don't have the right tools. The, they don't have the ability to completely redesign the plant. It's too expensive, or it's just impractical because the job is so versatile. And so I see exosuits as this additional tool that, that could be deployed to help these workers that are are under uh, high strain and just help relieve some of that physical burden and some of that fatigue uh, for these at risk workers.
0: Well, I I think when you think about all those things and then layer in, you know, some of the, the greater business philosophies, especially in manufacturing and logistics and trends that are prevailing, the world is moving a lot faster, right? You know, I can, I can order a 50 pound bag of dog food from Amazon and they'll have it at my door in an hour. Right. You know, and and I can only imagine the the human labor that goes into that to make that happen. Just in time manufacturing, we want to get that order and get it delivered as fast as possible. Well, humans are a big part of that equation, you know, and with everything speeding up, we need more tools as a society to help cater to that. So in a lot of ways, you think about everything that's happening. Maybe the time is right for the, the greater business world to really start thinking about these things. Um, you know, I think that's fascinating, you know, to well, to put the spotlight maybe on you two a little bit, though we're not trying to pry too much. Um, you know, obviously you've talked a lot about HeroWare's mission and and where your two particular areas of study and expertise have kind of, you know, helped drive the company. But what really motivated the two of you to to get into this position to work, you know, for and with and building this heroware brand, whereas y'all put it. You know, the idea of sustaining strength for work and life. I mean, that's incredibly admirable. Where, where does that motivation come from? What inspired you two to enter this field? I guess uh, I'll... Okay, Matt, I'll pick on you first. That'll work.
1: Okay, I'll, I'll take this one first. So I, I guess my, my inspiration to work on exoskeletons came from a personal need for the technology to accelerate and get better. I have a, a, an eight-year-old son with cerebral palsy. So that's why I started looking at exoskeletons that might be able to help him in his lifetime. And I started to really investigate whether this technology could achieve that type of, of, of a goal for him and, and for my family, really, because we're all in it together. Um, then I started to see the potential that this technology had to help workers like Carl was just talking about where there's no feasible way to make their job any safer or any less strenuous on their bodies. I'm, I'm a clinician. My background is as a practitioner. So I get hands on with people and I help them fix their bodies. It's a lot better if I don't have to do that in the first place. In my opinion, I saw way too many people in the clinic as a therapist, that had 25 plus year back injuries that originally happened at work, and all they wanted to do at that point was be able to lift up their grandkids or go play around to golf. And I would like to help the future of retired people be able to do that with the support of an exoskeleton or an exosuit today, so that they don't have that disability later
0: on. Absolutely, well, at that's it's obvious that you have to be an incredibly motivated gentleman, you know, so that, uh, yeah, that, that, that helps understand, like, the, just the, the gravity on, like, what, what the company is trying to accomplish. Carl, how, how about you? What, uh, what motivated you to enter this field?
2: Yeah, I'll just say, first of all, that's one of the reasons I'm thr- so thrilled to work with Matt. I mean, he's really amazing at what he does, but he's also super passionate and driven and uh, it comes from that personal motivation. Uh, for me, I, I've been involved in in doing research on biomechanics and assistive technologies for individuals with disabilities for the last 12 years. So this has been a big part of what I do, what I'm passionate about, what gets me excited. Now I have primarily in the past done research on prosthetics and, and trying to help individuals that, that currently have a, a physical disability and trying to understand how we can create technologies or create science that that enables them. Um, About five years ago, I started getting interested in back assist devices and more applications for industry and and occupational environments, largely because of my my own kids. Uh, To be honest, they were destroying my back. Uh, As any parent knows, all the lifting and bending that goes into parenting. And at the time, again, being somebody that works on assistive devices, I I went out and started looking around at commercial products to see if there was something that I could wear in my daily life that would help reduce some of the strain on my own back. And uh, what I found at the time were were devices that could offload the back, but they were rigid or bulky or just too impractical for my daily life. And so they they could help me lift, but I couldn't sit down with them. Um, So I ended up doing what a researcher does, which is uh, we started doing some work in our own lab at at Vanderbilt University. And we spent about two or three years just exploring the science of back assist exoskeletons and exosuits, developing early prototypes. And over a couple of years, we we started finding some really promising results. So we have a a laboratory where we found using these uh, back assist exosuits, we were reducing strain on the back and uh, muscle fatigue of the back by about 20 to 40%. And as we started talking to people in other industries, we started getting a lot of inbound interest and, and really started to understand, one, how big of a problem back pain is, and two, that folks in industry were hungry for a, a practical solution. So it, it became pretty clear to us that there was a large unmet need. And as we started showing some of our science and early prototypes around, uh, we were getting really good feedback that this seemed like a solution that that uh, could be deployed at scale and, and could actually help people, uh, again, stay happy, healthy, and, and energized. So that's that's how I got involved in this. And, and we've been building a team and, and building a company since then. And it's been uh, a lot of fun and rewarding in the process.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's uh, it, incredible. I mean, I am not a scientist, but uh, I do know never, never bet against a highly motivated parent. You got <laughs> to do it for this company. So the, the, the world of EH&S needs to watch out, but uh, no, that's uh, the vivid picture of kind of why and how this company started. I mean, that, uh, the world loves startup stories, and I think that that's an incredible one. I, uh, it, uh, if, if this was Shark Tank, I think somebody on the panel would be crying, but it's not. So uh,
2: I just also add in, you know, we've we've been very fortunate. We benefited from some uh, federal small business funding and really a terrific interdisciplinary team. So obviously you're talking to to myself as the scientist and, and Matt as the ergonomist. Um, We we also linked up early on with uh, one of my former students, Matt Yandel, who's a terrific uh, exosuit engineer and uh, a serial entrepreneur in uh, Mark Harris. And so really the the well-rounded team being able to look at this problem from multiple dimensions, the, the design, the ergon- ergonomics, the science, and the business side, I think has has helped us position ourselves to really deliver solutions that, that meet uh, client needs. Yeah,
0: no, it's, it's incredible when you see like a, a group of people motivated by a lot of the same things, but then also well-equipped to, to help engineer a real solution that can be, you know, brought to the world. I mean, that's, that's how a lot of incredible things have started. Um, you know, so let's dive into the specifics of the product a little bit here. You know, what uh, what makes Hero Wear Suits different? Like, what are I guess some of the, in marketing speak, we say unique differentiators? But what are the some of the ideas and and I guess findings that you guys have applied that that position you a little bit different from maybe some of the other things that are out there in the marketplace. So
2: the, the Apex exosuit, uh, it really embodies a, a unique combination of features. I think that's what's special about it. Uh, it's something that that hasn't been fused together in, in the exoskelet- exoskeleton industry to date. And so to, to me, the keys are uh, the exosuit is soft. So it's made mostly from textiles and elastomers. And uh, that makes it comfortable, makes it feel more like clothing. It's unobtrusive, so you can... Uh, turn the assistance on or off as you need it. That way when you don't need assistance, the device stays out of your way and you can do other tasks. This has been a really big obstacle. The whole interference problem has been a big obstacle for the exoskeleton industry to date. And so one of our proprietary patent pending aspects is really this dual mode on off switch that allows the device to be unobtrusive. Another key is that it's passive. uh, So there's no batteries, there's no motors, Uh, nothing that you need to charge at the end of the day and nothing heavy to carry around. Um, it's effective. So, uh, we've got multiple peer reviewed scientific publications, which uh, prove how the exosuit works and how it relieves strain and fatigue off the back muscles. And then the last key I'll highlight is just that it's modular. So it's designed uh, to fit different body types and different body shapes. And it's the first commercial exoskeleton or exosuit that is designed that is designed with both a female-specific and a, a male-specific fit, and so we really um, were passionate about trying to make sure we had a solution that could uh, meet the needs of all all clients, both both men and women.
0: Got a lot of lot of firsts, and I heard the word proprietary a couple times. So that's talking about a technical product that uh, it's usually a, a a good thing, and I think you know it's something that it not a new category, but one that that maybe is now new to the idea of mass adoption. You know, I always think about, hey, it it needs to be easy and practical. And you talked about the soft fit, the on-off. Matt, maybe I'll pick on you as kind of the EH&S and ergo guy. Like, what what does that look like? I'm thinking in my head, if I'm a last-mile delivery driver who's moving 50 pounds of dog food, I want to be able to hit that button and, and get that assistance on and off and not be encumbered when I'm not using it. I mean, is, is that one of the big, like just trying to paint a picture for our audience here. So it's real vivid. Is, is am I understanding that correctly? That Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Point?
1: Yeah. That is, that is uh, hitting the nail on the head from a human factor as an ergonomic standpoint, uh, being able to get the assistance that you need and have a suit that is really catered towards the demands of your job. I mean, it's it's the closest that we've seen any exoskeleton or exosuit come to truly being a super suit for all people, an exo for all, as we would say. So yeah, absolutely not, not having to think much to use this suit, not having to practice within it to learn how to use it. Um, it fits people really well right out of the box. It's super comfortable and it gets out of their way when they don't need it but it's there to help them when they do. I mean, these are these are key features and key differentiators of this exosuit that I have not been able to find in any of the other devices that I've tested or used over the five or six years that I was helping companies test and use other products that are on the market.
0: Yeah, okay. well, it's, it sounds like, you know, y'all really thought about this. Obviously, you have the science and, and practical in field expertise to make this happen. But, but one of the questions I wanted to get into is, like, with this being a new category, it has to be a challenge. And it it sounds like through R&D and listening to the market and looking, you've solved a lot of the the maybe potential hangups. But what are some of the challenges you see when you're introducing this to to new companies, new people, and and I guess new parts of the the market? Or maybe it isn't a challenge. I don't know. You, You guys let me know.
2: Yeah, I think we hinted at this a little bit earlier. Certainly education and awareness is important particularly if people have preconceived notions when they they hear the word exoskeleton or exosuits. So you say the word and they're thinking, uh, you know, weaponized rigid metal flying powered armor suit, and and you have to talk them back down to soft, passive, uh, mode switching, clothing like, uh, you know, three pound suit that takes 50 pounds of strain off your back each time you lift it's a different beast. It's a different conceptualization. And so there is a really important element to to education. Once people have learned what the suit is, once people start to see videos, and better yet, once people have tried it on and, and feel the assistance they're getting, uh, feel that there's less strain on their back whenever they're bending forward or less strain when they're lifting something uh, from the ground or from the pallet. you know, that's where you really see the, the light bulb come on and, and the smile come across their face. Or uh, you know, one of the things we like the best is after they felt the assistance for a while, then you switch it off and have them perform the same lifting or bending task. And there's a a very visceral sound that is uh, emitted as they realize just how much assistance they were getting. And and that's always uh, kind of a a fun moment to see that. And it's very consistent that we see that across individuals that that try
0: these suits. smiles are usually very telling. I believe that Uh, there's an interesting. Interesting thought there, and, and Matt, I, I'm guessing this is a good question directed toward you, is, you know, I think about, like, adoption of new technology, and I think about exosuits. Fitment and getting people fitted and getting these deployed in the field is probably a big potential hurdle. Um, how does HeroWare kind of approach that side of it?
1: That's a great question. Fit and, and especially initial fit is really critical because first impressions are lasting right so we when we put suits on people or when we support our customers putting suits on their people we really want to make sure that they're doing it and getting a good fit right out of the gate so that the user has a good experience right from the start um we do that through a program that we call hero care 360 so it's a it's a full-on customer support program, beginning with training for the users, training for uh, the folks that we would call Apex Exosuit Specialists, who are going to be supporting other users in their workplace, since we're not boots on the ground necessarily at a manufacturing plant or in a warehouse. Um, we really lean on our customers and the professionals that they have who can help us um, help their people use the suits. Um, we have resources to help them with every aspect of the implementation process from before they even get the exosuits, uh, making sure that they're ordering the right sizes and receiving the right sizes to when they get the suits, helping them get trained, helping them fit and adjust the devices on their people, confirming that everything is looking and feeling really good. And then once they have the suits on people and they've really kicked off use, making sure that they're doing certain things to sustain the use of the devices long-term in a way that's going to be successful and that everybody's really happy with. So things like making sure that people get started using some kind of aware schedule so that they get used to using the device, but also so that they can feel like Carl was saying before, what the device is doing for them, the benefits that it is delivering to them. It's amazing um, when people have things taken away from them sometimes, that's when they realize how Good they really are right so things like wear schedules things like fit checks making sure that people are checking in with users that uh, there's no issues and that anything that needs to be troubleshot is is done so before it becomes some type of a problem so we're really there to to hold our customers hand if we have to but just support them every step of the way to make sure that they're successful because ultimately their win uh, using our devices is, is our win too. So we want to see everybody succeed.
0: Yeah, no, and that, uh, that, that like full lifecycle care and support, you know, I think about that and, and we'll dive into this in just a second, but like if I'm a business decision maker and I'm jumping into a new category, it, it almost feels like a, an insurance policy, you know, in, in many ways in, in jumping in and in embracing new technology. You know, I'm probably projecting here a little bit, but I work at a creative and marketing agency and we use Mac computers exclusively because, you know, we're creatives. We have to, I mean, they've got this great program. Computer's not working, go down the street, drop it off, pick it up in two hours. It kind of seems like the strategy is very similar. And I'm just trying to find an analogy that the audience might be familiar with, but but that full life cycle support seems so critical so that, Act that you've actually branded that and built a, you know a, a piece around that it, it kind of ingenious so at uh, yeah okay so so with that and kind of a continuation so say maybe I'm not in the EHS department at a company right and I'm interested in starting to learn more about where exosuits at are, are, are at today and how they could maybe help my organization what are some of the recommendations you would make to people in that that spot? Are there any types of materials, learning tracks, or, or anything that that you've seen out there that could be helpful?
1: That's a really good question because when people start to uh, do Google searches on exoskeletons, they're gonna they're gonna run into some of the things that we've talked about already here, like pictures of uh, Tony Stark. Or Sigourney Weaver, you know. So, I think um, the way that I would answer this question at this point, and, and I'd be curious what Carl thinks too, once I'm finished. But there is a um, an Exo Technology Center of Excellence that was just um, just formed through ASTM International. And ASTM is a standards organization one of the standards organizations that is working on standards for exoskeletons. One of the one of the goals and, and the missions of the ASTM Exotechnology Center of Excellence is to help provide education and outreach and support the community that's out there. So I would encourage uh, people to reach out to the center. Um, there is a website, I, think, I believe it's astmetcoe.org or .com. I don't don't quote me on that one, but maybe we can get it into the show notes so that people can, um, can find it. But that's something that the center is prepared to offer is to help support companies and users, people, individuals that are interested in learning more about exoskeletons. That way people get point to good, truthful, factual materials and they don't run into some of the misinformation that uh, people like Carl and I are, are constantly having to correct or reeducate people on.
0: Yeah. No, I can only imagine, because science fiction and video games index very well on the internet. That's probably a challenge. <laughs> it is.
2: It's still such a new industry, and so the information is still quite distributed. And Matt's right, there's still a lot of misinformation that, that is out there. Uh, one other place to check out, there's a website called exoskeletonreport.com that has compiled a good amount of information about exoskeletons and exosuits. Uh, Bobby Marinov runs the site. He's also a contributing writer to Forbes. And so he has a number of of articles that are out in the public domain. Uh, I'll also say for both Matt and myself, we have uh, given a number of educational webinars on exoskeletons. Many of them are are freely available on YouTube. And uh, we also have something called the Exosphere, which is a blog on uh, HeroWare's website. And uh, Matt and I contribute to articles there and and really do our best to, to just give plain language, understandable descriptions of what exoskeletons and exosuits are. We talk about uh, our exosuit, but also different trends in the industry, different implementation cases, and uh, we really try to make it accessible. And and given that both of us have been in this field uh, for a number of years and are are both really passionate about uh, properly educating and and sharing accurate information about exoskeletons and exosuits, uh, we hope that becomes a, a really good resource for people uh, and we link out to a number of different articles, whether it's science or ergonomics articles. So we, we try to make it uh, comprehensive and, and inclusive uh, and as accurate as possible to deliver to end users and potential clients uh, what they need to know about this emerging industry.
0: Oh yeah, well, that's uh, great. And I love that you guys went through all that because, Matt, you had mentioned getting that in the show notes. Well, there's going to be a research dossier for people to start going through. Um, you know, so they can educate themselves a little bit. So, to so say I'm one of those maybe non EHS decision makers, and I think I already gave away some of the answer here, I think. And I've gone through that list in the show notes, and I want to start the conversation with implementation. What does the team look like, and who would I talk to at my company? Said so I imagine EHS is important, maybe operations, I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, what does a, a good implementation team look like in a manufacturing or logistics organization for a technology like Exosense?
1: Yeah, it's, it's going to be a little bit different depending on the company um, and how they're organized. But typically what we're going to see is, is some type of an executive or an executive steering committee of sorts that um, really oversees the implementation and helps identify who those team members are going to be. And there, there, there should be people from EH and you know, safety, ergonomics. Um, there should be folks from operations as well, and there should also be representatives from from the you know the the employees, you know the the staff that are going to be using the devices. And in ergonomics, we would refer to that as participatory ergonomics, where you involve the people who are going to use the solution on the team that is preparing for and ultimately rolling out the technology in the workplace. So um, with all of those individuals involved, it it can be a bit of a project to get rolling, but it really becomes part of what I would call a comprehensive ergonomics program. Because a company like a manufacturer should already have an ergonomics program where they're doing things like identifying issues, uh, engineering out problems, um, controlling things through administration and, and training and things like that. Personal protective equipment is another area that um, is going to be overseen by, by these. And it's all part of that program. And really exoskeletons fit well into those already established ergonomics programs. So we're not really thinking that people need to change what they're doing when it comes to implementing a new technology all that much. It's just a little bit different when you're asking people to wear something. It's probably more akin to that personal protective equipment or PPE as it's known in the industry. So that's what I would say as far as the team is concerned, Every every everybody from an executive um, down to, you know, down through middle management all the way down to the employee, there should be representatives involved to help figure out what what needs to be done and how we're going to do it.
0: Absolutely not. I think that's extremely helpful because like you said, it looks a little different for every company, but, you know, we have the privilege on this podcast to talk from everybody from, you know, mid-sized distributors of big products to major fortune five, you know, manufacturers. And I think that like hearing a little bit about that mix can help no matter where you're at in the marketplace, start to approach this. Because uh, I can only imagine, I'm not asking you to tip your hand on anything like pricing or anything like that, but I'll guess, and so maybe you could just say yes or no, but with all the adoption and, you know, all the advancements here, it's probably becoming more realistic for companies of all sizes and configurations to start approaching this. Um, so maybe, does that, that seem... Yeah. Seem reasonable, you know, or yeah. is
1: it just for the big boys anymore? Absol- no, it's not just for the big boys. The, the Apex, um, the, the pricing is public on, on our product. It's, it's $11.99 for an individual Apex. So um, it is very approachable for even small to medium-sized enterprises to put back-assist exosuits on their people who are running around doing great work bending and lifting all day long. Um, it is not something that is just for the big boys anymore, as you said.
0: Well, and I think when you talk about like some of the pain points that we're solving, no pun intended, um, you know, but things like turnover and, and keeping employees engaged. I mean, sometimes in that small to medium space, turnover can be even more catastrophic, you know. So, I, I yeah, it, it just seems like everything is lining up to really – you know, kind of get this technology out there to truly help companies and their people, which, you know, that's, it seems like that's the HeroWare story from the, from the jump. Um, so, you know, before I give you both the opportunity to give the shameless plug through the HeroWare URL out there, which we're going to have everywhere. Um, what's the, the big vision? And Carl, I'll pick on you first here. You know, where are you, where are you all hoping to be in, in three, five years?
2: You know, so if I go down the street now and and go by a construction site, uh, I'll see workers wearing safety harnesses, wearing hard hats, and and I'll think nothing of it. Uh, It it makes perfect sense. And I I hope in five years that the same thing can be said for exosuits, uh, that they just become a normal and and beneficial part of certain physically demanding industries. Um, Personally, I wear glasses to work every day. And and if I didn't, I'd have to strain my eyes and I'd almost certainly go home at the end of every day with a headache. And if you tried to take my glasses away from me, I'd fight you. So um, this is because I know it, it, it doesn't just affect my job, but it affects my life after I get off work. And I know this firsthand because I didn't have glasses my first year and a half in grad school, and that was how I felt. And so I think... And I hope and I believe that exosuits can play a similar role in people's lives that have these physically demanding jobs, that it becomes something that actually benefits them, that helps them on and off the job to the point where they wouldn't want to give it up because it, it does make their quality of life better. And it helps keep them engaged, again, both at work and outside of work.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Matt, I don't know if you just want to give that shameless plug now, because I think what Carl, just the vision he just painted, that'd be tough to top but uh, if you think you could do it by all means.
1: No, I think Carl and I share the same vision um, that this technology is really going to improve quality of life. And that's where I would, I would leave that one. And if anybody wants to find out more about HeroWare, our website is HeroWareXO.com. You can hit us up there. There's a contact form. Um, You could also hit us up on LinkedIn. Carl and I are both pretty active on there, and HeroWare also has an account um, and and other forms of social media as well, HeroWareXO.
0: All right, so I'll sum that up for the audience. If you really want to learn more about this quickly and not have to do the the level of academic research that we're going to have in the show notes, find these two guys, start talking to them. They'll fast-track you. No, that, uh, well, Matt and Carl, thanks so much. I mean, I think this one was equal parts inspirational educational and insightful and and i'm pretty sure that our manufacturing and logistics audience is gonna be thinking about things they weren't thinking about yesterday which i think was the goal here so you know thanks to both of you um truly appreciate the time this was an incredible conversation and to the audience we'll uh, we'll see you soon but uh, you know where to find these guys so go do it right.
1: thanks so much for
0: hosting
2: yeah thank you so much
0: All right, have a great one.